inside of this perfectly wonderful world. Oh, yes! I no longer have this thing called diabetes. I am cured. I can go home. I no longer have to stay in the hospital. I was so happy. She says, no, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. It's like, you mean I, I don't get better? This doesn't just go away? Join Deborah E., multi-award winning singer, podcaster, and speaker, who proves that being diagnosed with a life-changing illness as a child, along with countless hospitalizations and a family who told everyone she'd be dead before she reached puberty, does not have to stand in the way of life. The Diabetic Real Podcast and the content of its websites are presented solely for educational purposes, and the views and opinions expressed by guests are theirs alone. They do not necessarily reflect that of the host of the podcast. The content is not intended to substitute for professional medical diagnosis, advice, or treatment, ongoing or otherwise. Be sure to always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your healthcare. Okay, we're going back in time, and we're talking about when I was diagnosed with this wonderful disease. Isn't that a great name? Disease. That's called diabetes. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because I've had it for so long that the idea of when it started is it's it's like oh well I've had it always had it but that's because I I was just so cotton pink and young. Um, I was six years old, and yes, I did have a normal childhood up until that point. I ate candy. I ran around barefoot. Um, did all the things that normal little kids do, all the things that after that I was told I couldn't do. And that was like, well, you can't run barefoot because, you know, you cannot scratch your foot because diabetics cannot have cuts on their feet. They might not heal and then you'll die. All these things like that. So I had to be really careful. Anyway, I went to a symphony concert that my sister, my sister was nine years older and this is the sister that I don't mention a lot, so you probably won't hear a lot about her in other podcast episodes. But anyway, um, went to a symphony concert where she was performing, and I was trying to be a good little girl because it was all about being a good little girl, behaving like you were in church. And I was just so, so thirsty. And I would ask mommy if I could go get a drink. And at first, I think, if I remember correctly, she went with me because, you know, we got to be got to be safe. So she'd go with me and I'd go get a drink. I, was so, I just kept drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking because, of course, with diabetes, that with the high blood sugar, it makes you very thirsty. So I would go sit down and it's like as soon as I sat down, I was thirsty again and I'd ask to go get a drink of water. Well, you know several I mean lots of that I could I just could not sit down without being thirsty again and my mother was losing patience any mother would lose patience I don't blame her I don't blame her because it was it was never ending and she was getting very upset with me but then I wouldn't sit sit still and I'd beg I tried to be a good little girl I really did but I was so thirsty and I would start I would start crying I didn't make noise but I would just I was just begging for the water. So, you know, pretty soon it was like, even though I was sick, she's she's like, we're downtown Minneapolis. She's like, you know, go drink water yourself. It, it was just like, just go get it yourself. And of course, what happens when little girls drink a lot of water? They have to go to the bathroom. So if I wasn't begging to go drink water at the water fountain, 
I was begging to go use the bathroom. Well, I mean, I did have enough smarts to drink the water and go to the bathroom in the same trip. But every time I'd go sit down, I'd have to go get up and then go drink water and go to the bathroom. Oh, was my mommy not happy with me by the time we got home? Well, it just so happened that my grandparents, my father's parents were also with us. And my grandpa saw that. Now, he must have been chuckling. He must have. Well, I mean, he's chuckling, but he's also very concerned And he said to my parents, especially to my mother, because my mother was really kind of, you know, losing it with me um, as far as just really upset with me. She's trying to pay attention to her other daughter and the performance and this little six-year-old just will not stop. And not a fun evening, we'll just say. So anyway, he said, you have got to check little Debbie. By the way, I cannot stand that name. (laughs) I'm just saying, but at the time, that's what they called me. You've got to check little Debbie for diabetes. And my mother's like, she doesn't have that. No, 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 she doesn't have that. But my grandpa would not let up. So here you got the six-year-old that won't let up about drinking water, won't let up about going to the bathroom. And now the father-in-law won't let up about that her little daughter has diabetes. So he pulls out, back then, it was, it was you know, quite a few decades ago, pulls out this stuff, it was called test tape. It was like this, I don't even know, it looked like the size of um, dental floss container, like a little travel dental floss container, and this little tiny, it wasn't tape even, I don't even know how to explain it, except that it looked like the size of a dental floss. And he's like, you just dip this, okay, sorry, to be prepared, gross, but anyway, put it in, in urine, test it, it'll change colors. So she's like, okay, whatever, I'll take it home. And you could get these little test things, you know, over the counter, pretty inexpensive. And of course, Grandpa loved his little granddaughter. And he's like, just take this with you, take it home. And she's probably thinking, no, gross, you know, whatever. But I'll, I'll do it if it'll get my father-in-law off my back. So she takes it home and she tries to explain it to me. And she's like, I'm sure it means nothing, but we're going to do this because then Grandpa will be happy. So I pee in a little Dixie cup or something, and, and she goes and tests it, and right away, the test tape is yellow, but right away, it changes color. I think, I can't even remember if what color it was, but it was not yellow anymore. It changed immediately. It changes another color. And she's like, oh, maybe there is something wrong. So she calls the doctor, and we're like an hour out of Minneapolis, where we live out in the country. And we go to the doctor within that week, like not too long after that. We see the doctor that same day after we get back home. So this is like, you know, Monday or whatever after the symphony thing that happened Saturday. I mean, it's 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 pretty soon after the symphony. Um, same day that we had just gotten home from the doctor appointment, we get a call and it's like, get her to the hospital now. It's like, I'm thinking... Even as a little kid, I'm thinking, why don't we just stay at the doctor's and go from there? I mean, why are we making all these trips back and forth, you know, from the house to Minneapolis? I knew that much when I was six. And my mother put the ugliest dress. I got to say, that that brown dress is not going to win a fashion award. But back then, you know, you put a little dress on when you're going to go to the hospital, whatever. So little brown dress with a little orange flower on it, all dressed up to go to the hospital. And from there, I was in the hospital for 11 days. And I just remember my arm was like the size of an adult man's finger. And all it was was constant shots and finger pokes. Back then, they nowadays, when they do a, a finger poke, 
as they call it now they call it finger stick there's all kinds of different names they'll do it on the side of the finger at least if anyone's going to do it to you tell them to do it on the side of the finger because there's less nerve endings there but they didn't for some reason they didn't think that they didn't know that whatever so they did it right dead center right where all the nerve endings were and for whatever reason they did it really hard so it's like they were going to go right through the finger you don't have to do it that hard you can just poke it and the finger will bleed but I guess they didn't know it back then. So they went really hard, right dead center, right where all the nerves are. And of course, my fingers are really tiny at six years old. And the needle that they used, and by the way, you don't need a really big needle. They used something that looked like the size of a darning needle. It was huge, like like a knitting needle kind of thing, but this darning needle. And they'd poke me. So I wanted, I wanted to shriek. And they were doing this several times a day. Then they were giving me shots in my arm and these shots seemed huge because again my arm is like the size of a man's finger it, it's my arm is so small now i could kind of handle the shots in my leg that was that was sort of okay but oh my goodness did i want to shriek on the shots in the arm i had one nurse that she could stick the shot in the arm pull it out i mean she she could give the shot pull it out all in one one second she did it so fast her name was Cindy. I even named my cat after her. I just loved Cindy. She was great. She could do it, and it didn't hurt that bad. And I would follow her around. She'd take me. There's this nurse's station that was in another building. I was in um, Children's Hospital in Minneapolis, and I would follow her around. And she went over to this other this other spot, and she's like, well, honey, you can't come in here because the patients can't come in here. It's like, okay, I'll be a good little girl. I stood out in, like, in the grassy area and waited for her, and she'd go in there, and she'd smoke her cigarette in the lounge. It's like, you're not supposed to smoke. That's not good for you. I know, I know. But sometimes adults do things that are not good for them. <laughs> but she was my buddy. She was my, my, uh, my buddy, the nurse, my buddy that could give me shots that didn't hurt. Anyway... Um, so 11 days while well, they figured out how much insulin I needed. And I thought, silly me, I just thought that it was like a cold and I'd get better, right? And they would do these tests. It was different than the, um, the tests that I had from, from my grandpa's um, test tape. And it, it's this thing where you put drops of water and drops of urine, and then you put this little, it was, I think it was called Clinitest, this little tablet in there. And it's cool if it weren't for the fact that it's urine, which is disgusting, but anyway, it would change colors. Now, if it, turned, if it changed to brown, that's really, that's, that's sugar, and that's, that's bad. You don't want it to be brown. But if it was blue, that meant there wasn't sugar in the urine, and that was really good. So I remember when they, it was there a few days when it was blue, and I thought, oh, yes, I no longer have this thing called diabetes. I am cured. I can go home. I no longer have to stay in the hospital. I was so happy. And my mother grabbed me, and she says, honey, we need to have a talk. You need to sit down here in the hospital bed, and we need to talk. And it's like, what, Mommy? I'm, like, I'm going home, right? I'm all better. It's like the cold has gone away. This diabetes thing has gone away. Gone away. And she says, no, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. It's like, you mean I, I don't get better? This doesn't just go away? And she said, no, it doesn't ever go away. You will always have this thing called diabetes. Actually, back then they called it diabetes. Now we call it diabetes. 
She says, you always have this. Oh, I could not, you know, other things I could kind of understand. I could understand the testing. I could understand the shots. I even understood what they were doing as far as balancing it. But at six years old, I could not understand that you got a chronic illness that never went away, that you would have that the rest of your life. Um, Obviously now I do, but at the time, it just was so hard to understand that you didn't get better, that you just had that the rest of your life. So yeah, it made me sad as a little girl. I kind of, um, I'm not the type to sulk, but I have to admit at six, I kind of sat in my little my little hospital bed, and I was sad. And the doctor came in and said, I want you to play. I want you to, you know, play with the other kids, play in the playground, do this kind of, I want you to be active. You need to, of course, now we know it's because you could have exercise too. That's good for a diabetic to have. And so I did start to, you know, I made friends, I, I played and so forth, and obviously adjusted. But that first, those first few moments, it's like, but I did the right thing. I got to the point where I actually made it blue. So I thought I had done so well. And I had finally gotten over this disease. But instead, I realized that I had entered into a lifelong relationship with this entity that was called diabetes. And I'm still in this lifelong relationship with the entity that's called diabetes. And you know what? It's not that bad. She and I have developed an interesting relationship that we will learn more about as we go through this podcast called Diabetic Real. Thank you for joining me, and we will see you in the next episode. But before I go, I want to invite you to a community that I've started where if you have diabetes or any other challenge that you're going through and you want to ask questions or chat or discuss, please come join me in the community that is called diabeticreal.net for the community. The website for this podcast is diabeticreal.com. But again, join me in the next episode of the podcast Diabetic Real. And this is Deborah signing off. Thank you for listening to this episode of Diabetic Real. For more information about this podcast, as well as links and fun stuff related to Diabetic Real, visit us at our website at diabeticreal.com. Now we'll listen as Deborah E. herself sings one of her favorite songs. The song is called Perfectly Wonderful World, written by Denny Martin and Jamie Paul, engineered by me, <laughs> of course, your host, Michael, in our Seaside Records studio here in lovely Los Angeles, California. It was on the number one Reverb Nation charts for over a year and still charts very well. So have a pleasant moment and listen to Perfectly Wonderful World. Yes, I'm living inside of this perfectly wonderful world.